So our scripture today will be a little bit longer than the children's story we just heard, and that is okay. It's a reading from John 4. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired by his journey, was sitting by the well. And it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become to them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. And the woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. 
And many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. And this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Now, Samaria was not a travel destination many sought out, especially the Jewish population. They actually kind of hated each other. The Samaritans were descendants of those tribes of Israel that had been conquered by Assyria 500 years before. But instead of being taken into captivity and staying together like the Jews did, when they were conquered by Babylon, these other Israelites intermarried with Assyrians and other groups who came to live in occupied Israel. And to the Jewish people who had preserved the historic books and the writings of the prophets and who did not allow intermarriage with other races at all, the Samaritans were seen as impure and they worshipped God incorrectly. The Jewish people feared that the Samaritans' alternative lifestyle would taint them so there was no social contact of any kind. So you see, it's best to avoid Samaria, racially, socially, culturally. Jesus and this woman were better off ignoring each other's presence. It's how we keep the peace. But we know that Jesus never really does things the normal way. And not only this woman is she an outsider for being a Samaritan, she's an outsider to her own people. Most of the other women travel to the well in the cool morning air to retrieve water. She travels alone in the heat of the noonday while carrying the heavy water jar. It's not ideal. What or who is this woman avoiding? Maybe she wasn't a fan of the conversations to and from the well. We've all tried to dodge people at the grocery store, right? You just go around the next aisle. Maybe she was shunned from the Samaritan women because she didn't quite fit into their social clubs. Were there rumors spreading about her amongst the other women? Perhaps she was the topic of the small talk and conversation to the well. I mean, how does a woman come to have five husbands? And whatever the reason, in our scripture today, we find her alone at the well of her ancestors in the heat of the noonday drawing water. Well, except she thought she was going to be alone today. But Jesus has a way of surprising us and meeting us where we are, as we are. Jesus asks her for a drink, striking up a conversation. I can't imagine her thought process. Don't you know you aren't supposed to talk to me? 
a woman from Samaritan, isn't it impure, possibly scandalous? If the news got out about this conversation, it would definitely give the women something to talk about on their way to the well the next morning. And here, Jesus introduces himself and introduces the living water that God offers to us, the living water that you may never thirst again. And she, like many of us, would respond, I'll take that water. That's the one I want. If that means I don't have to keep coming back here in the heat of the sun. I mean, we live in Mississippi. We know the August heat. Sign me up for that living water. So she asks for the living water, in which Jesus replies, go call your husband and come back. And I've already kind of struggled with this part of the scripture, the um, this low-key feminist inside of me, and also no husband is like, why does she need a man? But <laughs> because this scripture has been preached many times, and so I've wrestled with it a lot. This is actually the first time I've preached this scripture. The only other time I was supposed to was this time three years ago in 2020, and that is when all the churches and the world kind of shut down due to coronavirus. So this scripture, though, has been preached many times. It is on the lectionary, so every three years, if we abide by the lectionary, we hear it. Um, it's also the longest conversation Jesus has with someone in the Gospels. So we're all kind of familiar with it. This unnamed woman from Samaria has faced a lot of scrutiny from pastors, from theologians, and different interpretations of scripture. We don't know why the woman was married so often or why she is in her current living situation. We do know that women didn't have too many rights in that day. Laws were different in that time. There are still norms and regulations and laws in our states and around the world to this day that limit women's freedoms, their roles, and their status. And sometimes we blast them, their most intimate details and wounds. We blast them in the headlines and on the news articles so that maybe we have something to talk about on our way to the well in the cool morning air. And we leave them in their vulnerable state in the heat of the sun in noonday. You know, sometimes I wonder what traveling alone to the well in the noonday sun looks like in today's world. So before we speculate her lifestyle and the lifestyle of others as alternative, disgraceful, or unclean. Perhaps we remember that in the heat of the midday, she, this woman, each of us, is in need of compassion and mercy and grace. We are in desperate need of the living water that will wash away isolation and judgment that reveals 
truth. And Jesus reveals her own story to her, saying, what you've said is true. Jesus sees her. Jesus knows her. And Jesus loves her. And Jesus at this well and noonday is open to even sharing water with her. He didn't scrutinize her. He didn't tell her to do better. He simply said, you've spoken the truth. This woman sees just how known she is by Jesus and further goes into conversation about worship and rules and law. I mean, if he's going to sit here and ask me for water, let's talk about some stuff. So you've accepted me for who I am, a Samaritan woman and all. Where do we go from here? Because remember, the Samaritans and Jews didn't agree in all religious matters. Jesus' response is once again one that kind of breaks the rules and shakes up the law a, bit, a little bit. He says it's not where one worships, whether it's on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but it's when true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Our God is a God who is not limited by the regulations and the tedious details of the where and when and how the rules set into place by us. Because Christ says, what matters is if you worship God in spirit and in truth. Relationships are found in God and with one another when we worship together in spirit and in truth. Where there was once division amongst a people, here we see Jesus setting a new path. Worship is wherever God's Spirit is, and God's Spirit has come to you. With the revelation of the Messiah, there is hope. She leaves all she brought with her behind at the well that day, her water jar while she was even there in the first place, the wounds of ridicule the divisions of social and religious norms that once stood in between her and the Messiah. It was all left at the well. She tasted the living water. And one's life is forever changed after that encounter. Not only does she go back to the city refreshed and hopeful, she tells others of the experience she's had of being known by Christ. This barrier of traditions that once stood between two races is dissolved by Christ. And the people from the city go to bear witness to what this woman has shared about and experienced. And it wasn't just an afternoon sermon. Jesus spent days there building relationships with others, the living waters overflowing into the streets of the town and into the communities. So today, we'll leave here maybe a little before noontime, traveling to our lunches, to our homes, to a Sunday afternoon nap. We may not face the noonday sun, we may see clouds, there's rain, 
there's water that brings new life to creation. And it refreshes the earth and each of us. So as you go on your way, as you leave here with the same hope and excitement as the woman from the well, may the living waters Christ offers you heal your souls. Isn't it a beautiful thing to be so loved by God? And may you be willing to share just how God's living waters have changed your life how the waters have met you where you are, breaking down the boundaries of the norms of society, inviting others to the wellspring of life. May we share that living water with those on the margins who are traveling this journey of life alone with feelings of being an outcast or facing rejection. Those in our culture that maybe haven't felt welcome, those that face scrutiny from the laws created to force segregation, hostility, and even harm. Let us be a church. Let us be a people that invite all to the waters, sent out into the world, living in the spirit and speaking in the truth and love of God. Come and see just how much you are known and how much you are loved by God. Amen.